I'd like to start off with a prayer. If you would bow your heads with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Every time I've gotten the chance to hear my father take the pulpit and preach, he starts with that prayer. As I sat as a kid growing up, I always thought that was a pretty insightful thing to do, right? Before he got up and opened his mouth, he asked God to look over his words, right? To look over his words and guard them. Not only that, though, he asked God to look over our hearts, right? And to me, as sitting in the audience, that was always sort of something I clued in on, right? That I need to be conscious of my heart, the meditations of my hearts during this time that I am going to spend worshiping and thinking about our Lord. Right? And so I always thought that was very insightful of him to do in growing up now and being a little bit older, uh, getting to study more. And since we've been studying the Psalms, I realized that that prayer actually comes directly from the words of David, right, as he uh, was praying and thinking back. And so I now even that prayer even more, that my father not only was thought well enough to say that prayer, but turning to the source that he turned to, to bring insight and draw our hearts as we come together to think about a little message here. So, I'm here. Been thinking about, you're here, which is very nice. Right. Been thinking a lot about how I got up here. For those, again, if you're visiting, know that know that this week won't happen again. <laughs> Jason will be back next week, and he will be bringing his words and his wisdom, and look forward to that. But I'm up here today because a little bit, well, a little over a year ago, I got up on stage and shared with you all our new website and some things that we were doing online to try and reach out. And in doing so, I sort of revealed that I don't mind talking in front of people. And well, the problem is, as soon as you do that, in fact, later that day, Bethany warned me to be careful because if I don't watch out, Jason will have me up here preaching. Fast forward to today, and I guess she was right. Jason has a way of working that way. God has a way of working that way. We'll see. Right. Here we are. Right. Here we are. And I don't know if you've ever thought about what you would say if someone asked you to get up and speak for... Well, we'll see how long, right? Get up and speak and share a message. What would you share if you had the opportunity to stand before your friends and brothers and sisters in Christ to share about God, right? What would you share? Needless to say, this is exactly what I've been trying to figure out, right? This is what I've been thinking about. What would I share? What would I share this morning? As I was thinking about and reflecting about what I would like to share, I was reminded of a day last June, right, last June in my living room, last June in my living room, on this day. This is my son, two years old, right? 
barely two years old, singing Jesus loves me, singing Jesus loves me on his couch, barely two years old and already writing on his heart, he is writing that Jesus loves him. I sat there in awe of that fact first, that our child was saying those words, and I was even more taken aback when I realized where he learned them because it wasn't from me. It wasn't from me, it was from his mom. Right? It was because every night his mom would sing to him and teach him those words. Right? His mom would sing to him and share those words that Jesus loves him, and this he knows. Right? And I think it's fitting that today's Mother's Day, a day that we celebrate our mothers, and that I remember, and I'm reminded every day why God put us together and how we've been able to teach this to our son, and I think it's great that we spend some time on a Sunday to celebrate our mothers, right? Because our women and our mothers are great teachers of God's love, and we should hold that dear. So that's the message I wanted to share, because if I think about any message I could share, anything I could teach my son in his life is to know that Jesus loves him, right? If I could teach him anything, right, it's that Jesus loves me, right? Jesus loves me. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Zachary, from two years old, can sing this song, and hopefully he'll be singing that song all of his life. I know I can't remember not knowing this song, right? I can't remember not knowing this song, and I know that I learned it from the same place that he did, from my mother, right? And my father singing that song to me and sharing these words. Jesus loves me, this I know. A song, a children's song that's been sung for 150 plus years. We've been singing to one another. And I, something I think about when I hear this song, actually, I think it was maybe the second or third week that we came to visit Cornerstone. We sang this song in the morning just like we did today, right? And that really wrapped up my heart as well, made me feel at home, that this was a body that took time not just in the back in the children's classes, but to remind ourselves that Jesus loves me, right? That Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus loves me. This I know. It's that last part that I wanted to think about this morning, right? Knowing, right? How do I know that Jesus loves me? I like to spend a lot of my time thinking about how we learn things, right? It's something I do. I think about how we learn. How do I know that I know something, right? You ever think about that? I think I knew something and I didn't, right? Or how do we really know that I know, right? How do I know that I know Jesus loves me? Do I truly know? What does that mean to know Jesus loves me? What does that mean? How do I know? Well, the song helps us out a good bit, right? How do we know Jesus loves me? The Bible tells me so, right? That's an easy place. It's a great place to start off. It's exactly where we should start off, right? How do I know Jesus loves me? The Bible tells me so. And there's lots of places we can turn to. We're going to turn to a few verses here this morning to think about where, how we know Jesus loves me. First place I want to start off with is in Matthew 10, 29, 31. There, Matthew 10:29 Jesus says Are not two sparrows sold for a penny yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the father 
and even the hairs on your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Right there, I know Jesus loves me. Right there, Jesus clearly laid out that I'm worth more than a penny. (laughs) More than a penny. Remember when you could get two sparrows for a penny? No, I don't know. Remember those days. But every hair on my head is counted. And that he loves me more than even those birds, that he knows me so well that every hair on my head is counted. Some of us, that math is easier to do than others. Counting, knowing every single hair on my head. And he tells me, don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't worry. You are valued so much. In 1 John, John's writing about God's love. He says there in chapter 4, verse 9, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's a lot of good news there. There's a lot of good news there. God sent his son into this world, and that is love. We want to know what love looks like? God sent his son, right? God sent us his son, right? Not because we loved God. He didn't send his son because we loved God so much. He sent his son because he loved us so much. He sent us his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He sent his son to die on the cross. For us. He loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own son so that we may join him in the kingdom. That is love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, Paul writes, But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And there, and as I'm trying to reflect and figure out what the Bible tells me about God's love, is that while I am still a sinner, God died for me. He loves me so much that as I continue to sin, right? Not once I get fixed and once I'm perfect, right? He knew that wasn't going to happen, right? Sorry. He knew that wasn't going to happen as much as I try, as hard as I work, and that he loved me so much. While I was still a sinner, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There are so many examples of why we should know that Jesus loves us in the Bible. How we know Jesus loves us in the Bible. In fact, we could probably all think of a few others that we hold dear to our hearts as well. And I think about this. The Bible does tell us so. Right? The Bible tells us so. So why is it so hard? Right? Jesus loves us. The Bible says it. Right? It's right there. And I think one of the problems is it's hard to go from words to knowing that Jesus loves us. Because right? I read a lot of things that may be true, but I don't always know them. Right? 
how do I know Jesus loves me? The Bible does tell us so, right? The Bible tells us so. But it's not just the words, it's the meaning of those words. How do I put meaning to those words? How do I ascribe them value? What do I base the meaning, the understanding of those words on? And that comes from what I've experienced in my life. How do I know that Jesus loves me? Because I've been shown God's love. I don't just know Jesus' love in words. I've been able to see it. Every time I've been shown grace for, believe it or not, many, many mistakes. Many things I do wrong and set out to do that never get done. Every time I step up and don't quite live up to where I want to be, I turn back and remember that Jesus loves me. I can think back to a lot of times in my life where I felt alone. Maybe you can relate. Where I felt dark and trapped and not sure what the next day would bring. And in each of those times, in each of those moments, in each of those days, there's always been a light. There's always been a peace at some point that's come in to remind me that Jesus loves me. There's been a calmness that's come over me. And when I feel that calmness and I remember those words, I can see the alignment right there. It's not just the words that we read. It's the experiences that we have. And when I look at the experiences of my life, I can see how those experiences only make sense when I understand the words, Jesus loves me. I can only understand how I could possibly be standing up here right now and talking with you all when I understand that Jesus loves me. Because when I look at the words and I read through the Bible, I see that through his love, so much has been opened up to me. I know his words because I felt his grace. I can recognize in my experiences these words. I can see them in my life. And when I read those words and continue beyond just that Jesus loves me, I can see that he says clearly, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to stand up here and talk about God. Don't be afraid to share your thoughts and your heart. I can see I don't need to worry, right? And that's something I take maybe a little too seriously sometimes, right? Anybody ever not worrying there? It's okay to laugh, right? Try and get my students there at some point too, right? Sometimes I don't worry enough. That's okay. But I don't have to worry, right? When I trust and put my trust in God, my faith in God, because he tells me that he loves me, right, and that he will be there. He tells me I don't need to be anxious, right, and trepidatious. I don't need to, I can turn my anxiety over to him, right. It's not that I don't need to worry. I should worry, right. And when I do, what do I need to do with it? I need to turn it over to him. It's not that I shouldn't be anxious and shouldn't try to worry about what I'm going to say here today, but when I become anxious, I just need to turn it over to him, There is no need for me to carry these burdens. He says, give it to me. Give it to me. 
Let me carry it for you. How do I know Jesus loves me? There are so many ways, so many ways that he has shown me his love. So many ways he has shown me his love, whether it's I think about meeting my wife, whether I think about meeting my son for the first time. So many ways that I've seen, I think about finding Cornerstone, how we ended up here and found a family in Christ, how we've been able to build that family over the last few years. Jesus loves me. All these things I'm able to do, all these things I are made possible, everything that confronts me I can endure when I do it through him. Jesus loves me. These are powerful words. Jesus loves me. Say it with me. Jesus loves me. Right? Jesus loves me. Say it again. Say it again. No. Jesus loves me. Right? Jesus loves me. Jesus loves We just spent 10 minutes talking about how Jesus loves me. But you didn't say Jesus loves Tim, did you? Right? I mean, the correct answer is Jesus loves Tim. I just outlined and shared with you that Jesus loves me. Right? Yet, that's not what you said at all. You said Jesus loves me, you. Right? Jesus loves you. You didn't say Jesus loves Tim. Right? You said Jesus loves you. I know Jesus loves me. But you just said Jesus loves you. Does Jesus love you? Think about that. Do I know that? If Jesus loves me, and I can sing this song, and you can sing this song, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. That means all that great stuff that Jesus has done for me is available to you. All of that grace and that mercy, that peace and that comfort that he's shown me is available to you. What that means, if we think about it, what that means is that if I accept the first premise, that Jesus loves me, I have to accept the fact that Jesus loves you. That Jesus loves you. And if I know that when I accept that Jesus loves you, now we've changed everything. Now we've changed everything. Because when I, if I know Jesus loves me, but knowing that Jesus loves you, and I got to think about that. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, and Jesus loves me. That means we must love one another. We must love one another. I have to love you just like Jesus loves me. That changes a lot, right? 
I have to think about you in the same way that Jesus thinks about me. And this is what I've been thinking about lately, that Jesus loves us equally. As a middle son, that's not really an easy thing to get your head around, right? Middle children, you can relate, right? That someone can be loved as much as you're loved, right? Something I've been working on over the years as a middle son. But Jesus loves you and me the same which means we must be loving to one another. We must be loving to one another. In fact, it's something that, if you're to ask people about Christians, what's the first thing you would say, how would you describe a Christian? Would they say they are loving? Would that be what they say? What does the world know? What do they think about Christians? I think about, well, if we were to share a Bible verse, right? If you were to go out and make a big sign and share a Bible verse and blast it out there during a baseball game, that Bible verse probably will be John 3.16, right? There we go. John 3.16. This is a good one, right? This is a good one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son So whosoever shall believe in him shall have eternal life. This is a great passage, am I right? Amen. This is a great passage. Here we have it. God's love captured and represented completely there, that he sent his son, and all we have to do is believe in him, and we shall not perish. The gospel in a nutshell, right? All sort of succinct and brought together right there. And all we have to do is believe. That should be simple enough, right? Believe is one of those weird words, though, right? What does that mean, right? What does it mean to do we just have to believe? Is that all it takes, right? 2,000 years later, we figured that one out. It's a tough one, right? It's a tough one. But I've been thinking about this, and John 3.16 definitely is probably the most cited Bible verse out there. Right? If we're to share a Bible verse, it's the most cited Bible verse out there in our day and age. In our day and age today, this is what we turn to, right, as a bedrock. And what I want to challenge us today is to think about maybe we should start thinking about a few others. Because recent studies and surveys find that 92% of Americans know about Jesus. Right? 92% know about Jesus. Right? John 3.16, we know about it. We know about it. As I said, knowing the words and seeing the words aren't the same thing. Knowing the words and feeling it in our heart aren't the same thing. And what I think what we need today in our time, in our age, is a few other verses in our pockets, right? A few other verses to help us move beyond just knowing who Jesus is to doing something that Jesus called us to do. I like to see this sign up there. Right. Here we go. Here we got Hebrews 10.24. Right. Now, you're at a baseball game, that sign comes up. You got it in your back pocket? I don't. Right? I don't. So what I do, I pull out my phone, and I look it up really quickly. 
And here we are. Let us, and let us consider how to spur one another to love and good deeds. And let us consider how can we make each other love and do good things. There's a challenge. There's a challenge for me. Let's all get together and think about how we can love one another and do good deeds. I'd like to think about that. How can I help my neighbor? What can I do to help you be more loving? That's something I can do. Maybe even we could see this sign. John 13, 34. John 13, 34. In what Jesus gives his new commandment. In which Jesus says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. This is what we need today. A reminder of what we are here to do, what Jesus has told us to do. We don't need to just know that Jesus was the Son of God. We need to live the way Jesus had called us to live. We need to love one another. And love is a verb, right? Like believes a verb, but love is an active verb. I can passively believe, right? I can sit there and believe without getting out of my chair, without getting out of my head, really. But to love, I can't passively love. Love is an active verb. If I'm to love you as Jesus loves you, if I'm to love you as Jesus loves me, To love as he has loved. Jesus shared this passage at the Lord's Supper, right? It comes shortly after the Lord's Supper, right? Up in that room with his disciples. And it's at that supper where Jesus gives us, I think, one of the greatest examples of what it means to love each other what it means to love each other. As his disciples came in and gathered around in that room upstairs and sat down, Jesus, the Son of God, what did he do? He took off his robe, tied it around his waist, and went to each of his followers and washed their feet. And washed their feet. Their bodies were clean, but their feet were dirty because of the sandals and the time they lived in, and Jesus washed each of their feet, each of their feet, including Judas, including Judas. He washed his feet. Now, I can be very happy to say that I don't know what it's like to be betrayed the way Jesus was betrayed, right? I may think I know betrayal, and maybe someone has wronged me in some way, but None of it's ever been against my life, thankfully. My life has never been turned over by another, right? Jesus knew full well that Judas had set him up to be turned over to die. Knew full well, right? Knowing that, I'm going to end up dying because you're going to give up on me. I haven't learned everything I've been trying to teach you. And what am I going to do to you? I'm going to wash your feet. He didn't have to. 
right? I mean, I think all of us would understand if Jesus just skipped that one, right? Like, no, not for you. But he didn't, did he? He didn't skip that one. He washed his feet. Right then and there, Jesus did exactly what he's been teach, what he taught on that mountain that we've been talking about these last few weeks. Right? And that Sermon on the Mount that Jason's been exploring, we've been thinking about this last word where Jesus clearly says we are to love our enemies. Right? There is a sign. Matt 5.44. Right? Put that up on the billboard. Love our enemies. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Not only did Jesus say it, not only did he speak it and command us to do that exactly, but he didn't just stop with the words. He showed it with his love. He showed it with his love. He lived what he spoke. That is something. That's something I think we can think about a lot in our lives, in fact, I think it would be a great series, is thinking about what does that look like today? Because washing feet isn't necessarily the same as it was back during their times. What would it mean to wash our feet in the 21st century, to wash the feet of our brothers and sisters, to wash the feet of those that were about to betray us? Right? What would that look like today? What would it look like today if we were to live in love all the time, what would it look like today? We were called to be loving to one another. We were called to love everyone, right? no matter what. Right? Not just our neighbors, not just the folks next door, not just the folks in this room. Love everyone. Right? Love everyone. That's awesome, right? Everyone deserves God's love because Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. And we're not the only ones that can sing that song, are we? Everyone can sing that song. And everyone can sing that song and it's true. Everyone can sing that song and it's true. Jesus loves them. Jesus loves us all no matter what. listening to a conversation about a book written recently by Preston Sprinkle called Fight. And in this book, uh, he goes on, he's been thinking about what the church looked like, what the early church looked like back in the early years, the first 300 years. And from his research, found that the most quoted Bible verse during those first 300 years of Christianity wasn't John 3.16. It was this, Matt 5.44. What was the Bible verse that Christians rallied around for the first 300 years? Love your enemy. Christians were automatically known. These are the love everybody people. Right? That's who they were. Right? That's who they were. Right? During those first 300 years. And what I'd argue that this is what we need today. Right? That maybe we should spend a little time thinking about how can we be loving, right? Being loved by Jesus, Jesus loves me, and Jesus loves you. 
in John 13, 35, Jesus continued after this new commandment to love each other as he loves us with this. Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How are we known to be Christians, right? What's that litmus test, right? There's got to be one. How do you know what a Christian? I know when I see it. I know it because they love one another. You will know they are Christians by our love. This is what we are commanded to do. Now, let's face it. Loving each other? Not easy, right? It's not easy. Right? If we're called to love one another, right? and not just love each other, but to love each other the way Jesus loves us, that is not easy. I mean, seriously? Love each other? I need to get Tom to write us a psalm of lament for this because I don't know, right? You want me to love each other as you love me. That is not an easy task, but yet it's still what we are called to do. And if I'm to accept that Jesus loves me, if I'm to hold and find comfort and grace in those words, I have to accept that Jesus loves you. I must love you. I must. If I'm to accept all of those things. It's not an easy thing to love one another. It's a hard thing to do. I've been trying to figure it out how to do it, and I don't have an easy answer. I think as any of us who have tried to love one another have figured out, it's not always a simple thing. How do we love each other as Jesus loves us? The only thing that I often can take comfort in and to find a peace of understanding as I try to do this, and I'll admit, I'm not very good at it all the time. I'm hoping I can get home and still love everyone, right? Sometimes that happens. But if I'm going to love everyone, I have to accept the fact that I don't know everything. I have to accept the fact that I don't know you. I have to accept the fact and open my, my mind to the possibility that the world doesn't work the way I think it does, that you may not work the way I think you do. In fact, odds are I don't have any idea. Right? But if I am to love you then, I need to be open to the idea that I don't know you, that I don't understand you, but I'm told I need to. So if I'm to I need to learn about you. I need to find out where you've been, right? what you've been doing, what you've seen, what do you know. I need to listen and learn about you. And how do I do that? I do that by coming together in community. That's why we're here and gathered together, to share in one another, because I'm called to love everyone, and the only way I can love you is to know you. And the only way I can know you is to take the time and open my heart and open my mind the way that Jesus did. Jesus had it easy. He was God, right? He could sit down at a well and look into a woman's heart and know about her. We don't have it that easy, right? We don't have it that easy. So we're going to have to sit down and open our hearts and open our minds. We're going to have to think about this. 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. I'll be honest, the real reason why I wanted to share this song and think about this song is because we need to fix it. There's one problem with this song. Sharon will tell you, I can't really ever read anything without finding a problem with it. Right? I'll always have some comments. Most times it gets me in trouble. It's the end. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. They are weak. Who are they? Grammar students? They just refer to the previous one. The little ones, right? They are the little ones. Who are the little ones? Anybody smaller than God? Who's anybody bigger than God in this room? Anybody smaller than God? Yes. Who are the little ones? We. We are the little ones. We need to remind ourselves of that. Right? When we say they are, the, they are weak, we forget that. Right? They're weak. They're the weak ones, right? The little ones, those people, right? We are weak. Right? We are weak. By singing it this way, by saying it this way, we acknowledge that we are weak, right? If we try to love one another, guess what? We're going to fail a lot. Right? As we try and as we try to live this, we're not going to do it perfectly all the time. Sometimes we're going to get it and knock it out of the park. A lot of times we aren't because we're human, because we are limited in our scope and our capacity to understand. We can't know all of God, so we can't understand why God loves you. Right? But he does. I can't understand it, but he does. And that's okay. I don't need to understand God to know that he loves me. We are weak. And if the song stopped there, it would be a pretty bad song. Right? If it stopped there, like we say, it would be a pretty bad story. There's a big but there. Right? We are weak, but he is strong. We are weak, but he is strong. I don't have to be strong. I'm not expected to be strong. Right? God knows me. I'm expected to work and to try and to put every effort into loving as he has called me to do, and that is going to be a challenge. And it's one that I accept. And when someone asks or wonders, how do we know where the Christians are? I hope that they start to know and start to recognize that they are where love is. Because Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. If I was to leave you all with a growth point, make Jason happy, it's this. If I am to accept that Jesus loves me, then I have to accept his love for all. I have to accept that he loves you. And that is good news.
Maybe you don't, haven't thought about it too much. Maybe you haven't felt it that much, that Jesus loves you. Maybe you walked in this morning and felt unsure that he loves you. Know that he does. Maybe you need to share some of that and get that burden off you because he doesn't want you to walk out these doors with that burden. It's not for you. It's for him. Turn it over to him. Friends, one thing I know about this church, we are a loving people, that we are here to love and to support one another. If we can be that for you, if we can help you in any way, ask and invite anyone to come up and share your heart Share your burdens and share your concerns as we stand and as we sing the following song. We-